On this night, 30 will be chosen. 30 will be put to the test in the most important match of their careers. Welcome back to another edition of Wrestling is Trash, a nonsensical podcast where we talk about professional wrestling, past, present, and quite possibly the future. Um, today, I'm rejoined by what I am dubbing here on this episode, the wit talk historian, uh, author, all around cool guy, and host of the Who Would Win podcast, which I highly encourage you listen to. The man, the myth, the legend. I've been calling people man, the myth, the legend. I haven't had a lady on here yet, so I can't say the woman, the myth, the legend. Or if it was Becky Lynch, I still could say the man, the myth, the legend. But nonetheless, with me, I have Jay Sandlin. How are you, sir? B-Rob, that was an introduction that was maybe, and I'm going to give you a great compliment, 25% 25% as good as something Mean Gene could have done. Oh. Rest in peace, respect. Man, I, I don't even think I'm on the percentage chart with um, the caliber of uh, Mean Gene Oakland, man. <laughs> Do you know what the announcers used to say? They said that in this business, there is Mean Gene and there's everybody Nobody else. else. <laughs> this is true. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Me and Anomaly spoke about him highly in the last episode where we... Yeah, I heard that. Oh, yeah. Did you watch New Japan, Wrestle Kingdom? I haven't watched Wrestle Kingdom, but uh, my wrestling podcast that I listen to have all been doing, of course, the Mean Gene tribute mm-hmm. shows. And I um, greatly enjoy those because, you know, I like getting the background on him. A lot of people are saying the same things. Mm-hmm. He, he's not on the show that we're watching today. You know, they had. Uh, but man, I. I I would have loved to have just seen Mean Gene is one that could have just gone on and kept working no matter how old he was. Yeah. You know, he never lost it. Mm-mm, not at all. Never lost a step. In fact, uh, Bruce Pritchard was even saying that before the last night he saw Gene, it was in the last couple of years, and they were at the bar restaurant, and that Gene was just going out and talking up young ladies in a very respectful way, (laughs) like almost like, and they were just, you know, having conversations and just, he was being charming. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Bruce, Bruce said he kissed him on his bald head and said, I love you, Gene. And that was the last time he saw him. Man. I mean, he, he just like, just listening to him even talk, you know, normally, you know, even when he was being interviewed or whatever, it's just like, he has no off switch. It's just him all the time, you know? Yeah. I agree. Man, I didn't mean to bring things down a bit. Thank you for that intro, though. Uh, you can all if you're if you're not following me on social media, find me on uh, Twitter and Facebook at Jay Sandlin writer. Mm-hmm. And as Rob said, I am the co-host of the Who Would Win podcast. We just posted our most recent episode, uh, Boba Fett versus Bullseye. I had Mr. Boba Fett. Yeah, uh, I've been on your show a few times. Um, I, I've, Indeed, you I, picked me the last time you came for the winner, so I I appreciate that. And then look, I'm picking you again to be here on the show. <laughs> if I if I was a booger, you'd pick me, right, Rob? Yes, 
Ah, uh, thank you so much. Thank As you. A, I, I can pick my nose, but I can't pick my friend's nose. So. Well, I know you haven't had a chance to listen to Boba Fett versus Bullseye yet. Do you have a prediction just uh, off the top of your head? Mm, I've got to know Bullseye from Daredevil. I, yeah. I don't really know so much the lore behind the character via comic books or anything like that. Um, there was both Daredevil instances that I come to know him from um, the Ben Affleck movie version directed by oh, Kevin uh, Smith. Yeah, yeah. You know, that movie's not bad. It's not bad. And it's the, got it's got its issues, but let's put it in context. It's not bad. I paid to see that in the theater and I took I took a date to see that movie. I have it here sitting on my shelf to my right right now, so I might pull it up and watch it later. <laughs> My my date? You were filming me? No. Now I'm talking about the, the movie. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I had some game when I was 15 years old. I know. But I had I didn't know. I didn't know people were filming me. I had none at all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we've had that episode um, every Tuesday on my Twitter account. We play what happens next in the uh, style of choose your own adventure story prompts. Mm-hmm. We've been having a lot of fun doing that. And we've got some sponsors that are getting on board with that. Um, one of my buddies, uh, Brian, I'm going to I'm going to give Brian a little drop here, if you don't mind me, Rob. Uh, oh. Brian Hawkins. Follow him at Brian L. Hawkins. He is a fantastic teacher, human being, another author, and he has um, he's also the assistant editor at Mad Cave Studios, where I'm also a writer there as well. Mm-hmm. But he has a Kickstarter uh, urban fantasy comic book series called Cornrows. There are no more heroes. Mm-hmm. He is a. Uh, an African-American writer, and this is an African-American hero, uh, a teacher by the name of Theo Mayfield attempts to avenge the death of a former student mm-hmm. after he can't find the justice that he believes the student deserves. That sounds close to home. <laughs> well, I'm going to I need to introduce you to I think you, uh, you in fact, you should uh, talk to him on one of your shows sometimes. I think he would love to do that. All right. And then I'm glad you kind of clarified, the you know, um, African-American thing or whatever, because when as soon as you said cornrows, I was about to ask you, is it a Caribbean cruise cornrows or is it like (laughs) I I can't say I know about the variations of cornrows. I mean, I'm from Alabama, B-Rob. Cornrows are just what I drive by on the way to work every day. Yeah. Like when I say the Caribbean cornrows, it's just like, you know, um, uh, stereotypically uh, when white people go on cruises. Okay. They go to like the Bahamas or the Caribbean or some shit like that. They'll get off the boat and the people will get the, their hair braided. Oh, you mean like uh, like Monica on Friends? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm with you. No, I actually don't know why the book is called Cornrows. So that might be a good question for Brian. Mm-hmm. But it uh, the artwork is looking very urban, gritty. And I think it's going to be um, almost like uh, this revenge plot justice vigilante mm-hmm. punisher if he was a teacher okay and I'll, oh you know what you the the, the way you're kind of describing that and, and you know i like movies and everything but in a way it kind of when you was talking about it, it kind of put me in the frame of the movie the substitute i've, I've not seen that one what? you might have to yeah I'm not but you might have to ask brian about that i don't know about the frame of mind but we all all writers you know mm-hmm. go to other stories for our inspiration mm-hmm. um and I, i've been writing with mad cave they hired me back in september to uh write a book that we can't talk about yet but mm-hmm. b rob knows a little bit about it yep. but we will talk about that another day yes um to speak of uh plots and revenge 
and uh, Retribution. We are doing another watch along here today. I think what the last time we watched uh, Russell War 92 War Games. So mm-hmm. it was the Dangerous Alliance versus the Sting Squadron. Today, we will be uh, doing a watch along with the 2009 Royal Rumble match. And B Rob, from 1992 to 2009, how much did wrestling change? You know, let, let me rephrase that. Yeah. Was it even recognizable from 2009 compared to what we got in 1992? Not really. I mean, it, it the company as a whole changed, and within that company changing, it changed the landscape of professional wrestling for ever. And we're watching Royal Rumble 2009 here just a few weeks into 2019. Mm-hmm. So this show is 10 years old now. Happy birthday. And it was just kind of I, I watched it last night and I was thinking the same amount of time has passed from this Royal Rumble that passed from 1989 to 1999. Man. But yeah, the Royal Rumble 2009 was the 22nd annual Royal Rumble uh, ever produced by the WWE. It took place on January 25th, 2009 at the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, Michigan, uh, a building that has a lot of history with wrestling in general. It featured um, wrestlers from Raw, SmackDown, and the ECW brand, which was around and still active back then. And the winner of the match was going to receive a match at that year's WrestleMania, In this case, it was WrestleMania 25, the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania. And the winner could choose for a title match for the WWE Championship, the World Heavyweight Championship, or the ECW Championship. Mm. Yeah, and I I remember that stipulation. And I, I remember watching Royal Rumbles as a kid and everything. But like when I watched it as a kid... It wasn't like really accessible to me on TV. So anything that I watched were through uh, VHS tapes and everything. So I never had a continuous storyline or whatnot. So I would watch the Royal Rumble. Somebody would win. And then I wouldn't know what the fuck happened after that until years later, whenever I got a hold to another VHS tape or something like that. So I would go to. Yeah, I did the same. I would go to Blockbuster and I would get those VHS tapes and. I'd, I'd watch them so many times that I'd for, forget about telling my mom to return them mm-hmm. or anything. And, and my mom would get phone calls on our landline back in the 90s. This has to be the most 90s story ever. <laughs> my mom's like, Jay, I just got a call from Blockbuster. You did not return the Great American Bash 1994. <laughs> <laughs> and now we are being charged a late fee of $10. That is coming out of your allowance Go get my purse. I've got to write a check for $10 because <laughs> 90s kids know that your mama would write a check for 50 cents if she had to. Yeah. And she and she could write it in about three seconds. Yeah. I remember the first but, time uh, I remember yeah. the first time attempting to write a check and that was like horrible. That was horrifying. me. <laughs> well, uh, th- now we're only going to be watching along with the match, but just for some context, um, five matches were featured on the card. Uh, scheduling of more than one main event because this was a multi-brand pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the main event was the Rumble match, um, but the primary match from the Raw brand was John Cena versus John Bradshaw Layfield, JBL, mm-hmm. for the World Heavyweight Championship. 
Cena won that by pinfall, surprise, after his attitude adjustment. The primary match from the SmackDown brand was no DQ, Jeff Hardy and Edge for the mm-hmm. WWE Championship. Two legends right there. Yeah. And the ECW predominant match was Jack Swagger and Matt Hardy for the ECW Championship. Okay. I believe uh, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy won those matches. Let's see. Let's see. Um, the Edge with Chavo in his corner, by okay. the way, defeated yeah. Jeff Hardy. Okay. Yeah. Ch- we already said Cena defeated JBL. Mm-hmm. Jack Swagger defeated Matt Hardy for the ECW or to retain the ECW championship. Um, two other matches on the card. Jimmy Wang Yang <laughs> defeated Paul Birchill. Was it the Pirate Birchill? <laughs> uh, 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 unknown. And then uh, Melina defeated Beth Phoenix uh, for the WWE Women's Championship. Uh, Beth had Santino Morella in her corner. Oh, yeah. Santino is going to make some history here with this match tonight, too. We'll talk about that. All right. So um, here we are. If you have the WWE Network app or just some other means of watching the Royal Rumble match itself, uh, for those of you on the app, I'm queued up at one minute, 37. No, I mean, uh, one hour, 37 minutes. And 56 seconds. I'm just at the part to where the bell has been rung and there's a close up on Justin Roberts. So this is where Justin Roberts is explaining the Royal Rumble match Mm -hmm. and all its rules in case you've never watched it before. B. Rob, what would you say um, is the you know, last time we watched the 1992 um, War Games match. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how complicated the rules are. Mm-hmm. Ro- Royal Rumble's a bit more simple, isn't it? Yes. Um, you have 30 participants. Um, you'll start the match off with two individuals. Um, I think with the intervals of five minutes or something like that. Or was it three minutes? I thought it was three minutes. But there's uh, five minute intervals to where, you know, cock. I said the cock. The cock. Cock. I got Tourette's. Hey, Terry Taylor is not in this match, Rob B. Rob. <laughs> or the Red Rooster. And um, <laughs> I love that dude. <laughs> you know, that was that was his catchphrase. The Red Rooster ain't going to go off half cocked. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they got intervals. The, the clock will count down zero. And um, another participant or uh, enter. The way you uh, win this match is to have all 30 participants in the ring and eliminate them. And over the top rope, they can't go through the middle, they can't go under the bottom and whatnot. And the last person standing is your winner of the Royal Rumble match. I probably complicated that my explanation of it more than the freaking. (laughs) Yeah, I think Vince McMahon will be screaming into your headset right now. But uh, Justin Roberts was the announcer. (laughs) Wait, do that again. What? He's like, you're fired. That was pretty good. B-Rob. You're fired. Uh, how you know what Vince McMahon? I know that. Okay, okay. So he doesn't need any money, Mm-mm. but how, would he make a lot of money if he like? What's the uh, service where like a famous person can call you now? Oh yeah, I know. What, I know what you're talking about. I don't know the name of it, but yeah. You what if have... Vince McMahon was on that service and you could hire him to call someone to fire them? Yeah, I'd be down with that. <laughs> If you got fired, you could at least say, hey, at least I got fired by Vince McMahon. 
and that would be extra funny but like say you work for a high level executive company or whatever some shit like that and i mean they make billions of dollars in the forbes 500 and whatnot and mm-hmm. you just get like this voicemail from uh corporate like you have one voicemail from vince mcmahon <laughs> and, <laughs> and you open up this is Vince McMahon, and I am calling from such and such company from the Fortune 500, blah, 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 and you have just been fired. Clear out your desk and don't come back to my office. Oh, gosh, that'd be one. Well, now, for that high level, he'd have to show up and do it in person, so his entrance music's going to have to play. Um, B-Rob, what's happening on your screen right now? All right, so I'm about to press play if everybody's ready to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, ready to go. And uh, three two one all right justin roberts is in the ring talking making the announcement. all right i've got a i've got a justin roberts story while he's talking do you want to hear it yeah 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 let me hear all right so i went to a wwe live event in huntsville alabama with one of my best friends uh this was a few years back let me think this was probably 2013 ish because ryback was actually at the top of the card and ziggler and AJ Lee and Big E were in their faction. Mm-hmm. Does that does that sound about right? 2012, 13 yeah. ish. Yeah. All right. And uh, Punk. That, I, I, now CM Punk had just recently ended his long title reign mm-hmm. and lost it to The Rock. That yeah. was where we were. Yeah, yeah. So I I sprung for some uh, front row tickets for this live show. I was um yeah. I, I was I, I had been to a couple in the you know months and years before and I just wanted to get closer so I paid extra I got up close and, and we all know if you if you listen to who would win you, you know I'm not the tallest guy as as my co-host James reminds people every week speaking of uh, not being the tallest guy our first entrance is Ray Mysterio <laughs> oh yes yes we'll talk about Ray some more in a minute here and then I all was right, looking well, I was oh, looking oh, at that not to cut you off real quick but like I was seeing his shirt and um, he has um, it's a six one nine thing or whatever, which resembles current day uh, day one ish shirt from uh, the Usos. <laughs> cool, cool. Oh, long story short, I ended up having a security guard that was about six seven standing right in front of me during my front row seat, and he, and he refused to move. He said, "I've got to be here." So we ended up getting um, moved to the other side of the arena, mm-hmm. but you know, same distance from the ring and Justin Roberts sees us move. And after the show comes up to us and, and talks to my friend and I and says, how, how'd you get here? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, who's our second entrant here? We, are you seeing this with me? Um, John Morrison. So let's talk about John Morrison. Yeah. Um, for, well, for one that Ray Mysterio, by the way, spoiler is going to last the longest in this, uh, Royal rumble match. He lasts 49 minutes and 24 seconds. Yeah. And uh, John Morrison, um, he been with the company for a little while. Um, first uh, recall seeing him on the the Tough Enough tryouts. You're right. He was re- he was very young when he did that. And he had like this buzz cut mm-hmm. looked almost like a Sergeant Slaughter haircut. So he obviously went for a rock star look, but he had a lot of names. Now, at this yes. point in the company, he was in the ECW brand Mm -hmm. he had been johnny nitro and his theme music was the monday nitro theme song because eric bischoff was his manager at one point for a little while yeah and at this point he was going he was in he was in his tag team with the miz Mm -hmm. 
But that was about to end this same year. It would be the last few months for their tag team there in 2009. I think Miz would do the kick through the barbershop window and end the team, if I recall correctly. <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. And the, and the two men have gone their separate ways. So, B-Rob, when I was watching this last night, watching Rey Mysterio and watching John uh, wrestle, I got to thinking, like, what have these guys done in the last 10 years? It yeah. has been a lot. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So what, what comes to your mind for either one of them? Well, like uh, John Morrison, um, he left the company and he would go to Lucha Underground. Um, now, I think currently he is the Impact uh, heavyweight champion. Uh, he's been in um, numerous pr- promotions throughout, you know, wrestling entertainment. He's been to Mexico. He's been a lot of places. In every place that he's been, he's changed his name. So it, when currently he's on Impact. So now his name is Johnny Impact. He was on uh, Lucha Underground, and his name was Johnny Mundo. Um, most recently, he was on a, a series, uh, the uh, season of Survivor. And uh, his name was, he was wasn't he? Yeah. He and uh, in 2009, this year that we're watching now, um, John Morrison would win the most improved wrestler of the year for 2009. Yeah. Some of his background, I think he was um, a gymnast. He kn- he's very good with breakdancing and uh, parkour. Uh, another thing about John Morrison, which, you know, you can say what you want about his in-ring skill, his promo ability and everything, but I always going to have a soft spot for him because um, I think what year was it? 2008, 2009, I was deployed in Iraq and oh. him and a, a host of other WWE superstars came to visit us on our base. So I got to take, really? a, I got to take a picture with all of them and everything. And he came out of the back of a helicopter and he was out there on the um, landing pad and he was doing said break dancing. Like you were saying, he was doing yeah. handstands and spinning on his hands and shit on the helicopter pad. He, uh, he, that, uh, the tough enough, uh, show that you mentioned, um, when he auditioned, um, it was for Jim Ross mm-hmm. and Jim Ross asked him to do a spin a Rooney like Booker T. Yeah. And it took him a second to think of what a spin a Rooney was. But when he did it, jr was just kind of stunned like oh gosh he can really do it <laughs> he was like well that, that's a good spin of rooney yeah. that's, that's a good that's a good spin of rooney right there oh. at this current time we have um, our third entrance in which is carlito let's talk about carlito man i, I love carlito yeah and right now i'm just seeing him kind of um do what new entrants do in um royal rumbles they come in hot they um, attack everybody that's in the ring. And right now I just seen Carlito do a double springboard from one rope to another rope and do a moonsault onto John Morrison or Hennigan that's, or that's, whatever the yeah, fuck his name is. Let's, he's Morrison on the show. I'm going to call him Morrison. Mm-hmm. But uh, this that springboard moonsault, I listened to a podcast with Carlito and he, you know, he I don't remember which one it was, but he he talked about that move. He said, I broke that out at the Rumble. Mm-hmm. And the agents told me backstage, they said, hey, uh, we'd like to see some more of that. <laughs> he said, oh, man, I've uh, got to keep some things in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you I guess when you're an entertainer, I mean, you can't just let it all out because oh, we got our fourth entrant, which is MVP, in my MVP. opinion, VP, which in my opinion is one of the greatest United States champions of all time. I love MVP. He was a great character. He was a good performer. Um, And here at this point, I don't know if you would call this his peak in the WWE. Mm -mm. Oh, he better do the ball. It was it was coming down, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Doing the ball elbow drop. Oh, Rey Mysterio. Oh, nice belly to belly. Then he completed Hold the up. elbow. I was about to say that that elbow, the baller elbow was such a theatrical move that if you wrestled MVP on some of the WWE games, you could like escape the cage yeah. and he'll still be doing the elbow, his character. <laughs> yeah, that was always a trick. You can probably look that up on YouTube. Yeah, I know, because like um, before they kind of enhanced the games a little bit better or whatever, it's just like your character was stuck in a move. And like if you started initiated that move or started that move, you couldn't do anything. <laughs> so MVP uh, would leave the WWE uh, not a whole lot longer after this. I think he would ask for his release because he wasn't really being used. Yeah. And he would achieve his dream of wrestling in Japan, Japan which was yeah. something he'd always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. He and if I recall correctly, they commissioned the uh, IWGP Intercontinental Secondary Title for MVP, if I recall correctly, which is now being held by Chris Jericho. Well, no. Um, as of uh, January 4th, of uh, they had their... WrestleMania-esque event called Wrestle Kingdom. And this was the 13th iteration. And Chris Uh-oh. Jericho lost that to Tensiodo. I can't say the name, the first name, right? But Naito. <laughs> oh, I'm behind. Thank you, B-Rob. All right. Well, up until very recently was held by Mr. Chris Jericho, is what I, who is one of my favorites of all time. We'll see him on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's one that's not one of my favorites. That's our entrance, Number the great six. Kali. Yeah. What, what are we going to say about Kali, B-Rob? Um, he's big in India, like physically and literally. I mean, he's big anywhere he goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a guest on here. Um, I think almost a year ago. Name was Sanjay. He's from uh, India. And um, one of my questions to him was, um, do he know who the big Kali is? And he's like, yes, I know who he is. I mean, he doesn't even watch wrestling because I think that was one of my prelude questions before I even asked him that. He's so he's big in India, like stature wise. And he definitely has the stature. Yeah. But what about his ring ability? What do you have to say about that? Um, I've seen old footage, like maybe even pre WWE stuff of him to where he was at one point very agile. I seen him jumping over the um, top rope from the apron and um, doing some other athletic things. But I mean, I guess over time, his mobility has slowed. But um, what I most enjoyed him in was uh, The Longest Yard with uh, Adam Sandler. That was a good movie. I enjoyed that, too. And th- But here's a, another entrant who is not big, uh, unfortunately, anywhere. But it seemed like they planned for him to be big. Mm-hmm. Vladimir Kozlov yeah. coming out. And he is going to actually eliminate the great Kali in pretty short order um for a guy that they're talking up like oh who's going to eliminate this guy and then vladimir comes out wearing his plain white tights that just look like tidy whities which i don't understand why any wrestler i I don't mean to be rude but why would you just wear the plain white trunks Mm. i mean if you get anything on them any kind of dirt anything skid mark you're gonna look like you shit yourself yeah well, help me out, B-Rob. Yeah, it, that, that it, I mean, I know it's technically before Labor Day here, but come on. Why wear those? I don't know. Well, he just got two eliminations. Kali is out and MVP is out. MVP. Hey, you know, I got to talk to MVP a few years ago on the on a, a podcast. Really? How did that Yeah, go? it was before I ever even did podcast. I just I called into it and um, got to have a kind of I wouldn't say lengthy, but we got to have a conversation because uh, at the time he was 
talking about his plans after wrestling, and he said that he really wanted to open a bar. Mm -hmm. I do, too. (laughs) Everybody wants every man wants to open a bar at some point in their life. You know, you're not happy with your job. You're not happy with whatever's going on in life. And you say, man, what if I owned a bar? Carlito. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, who do we got now? All right. Two. Who do we got now? Entry number seven. The King of Kings. The game. Triple H. All right. Now, um, you speaking of MVP, I got to meet him at uh, WrestleMania Dallas. Cool. So, so that was what, 32, 31? No, 31 was freaking um, California, Santa Clara. So 32. Well, one thing that I asked MVP, I said, uh, when we talked, I said, the restaurant business is is tough. You know, how do you plan to open one and stay open? So many of them fail. And he, he said, I really just want it to be about an experience, a place that you can sit down, have a drink, maybe with me and <laughs> just, you know, hear talk, sh- shoot the breeze. So I was like, well, so that's be, what I would, I would pay for that. <laughs> so it would be the it would be the offshoot of his uh, segment on wrestling's where was it the VIP lounge? <laughs> the VIP lounge, exactly. Where um, and another thing we talked about, he he mentioned the bars in Japan, mm-hmm. and I, I surprised him a little bit because I said, well, are you going to serve the turtle blood? Oh. And he gets quiet and says, you know about turtle blood. Yep. And I said, not firsthand. Yep. <laughs> we, we shared a laugh. Uh, do you know about the turtle blood? I was just about to ask you about that. I, I am intrigued. Uh, Vladimir Koslov right. is out. Yeah, bye, Vladimir. I, I think you just summed up his whole career. Um, it, the turtle blood is actually, th- this is in Japan. I'm not condoning doing this, but they will uh, straight up cut the neck of these big tortoises, pour the blood in a glass, and serve it to you about $700 a shot. And this turtle blood is apparently more effective than the most potent prescription Viagra. Oh, my. (laughs) Bret Bret Hart had some of the turtle blood and said, I had to wear sweatpants for about three days. All right. Entry number eight is the Viper, Randy Orton. Uh, You drink some Viper blood. You think you're going to have the same? Oh, well, speaking of dicks. Yeah. Here comes Randy Orton, a man who can't keep his hands off his, apparently, when he uh, goes to shake others' hands. But yeah, Randy, Randall Keith Orton, second generation star mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, spoiler alert, he's going to win this Royal Rumble. Yeah. And I think Jr. maybe kind of teases that a bit when he says, you know, Randy Orton has never won a Royal Rumble match. And now, now that we kind of going through this, I'm seeing um, the frequency of uh, the participants that are coming in and out of the ring or whatever. It is 90 seconds. But um, most recent Royal Rumbles um, that's been going on, the, the pacing is totally different. It's like the, it's longer than 90 seconds or they just kind of cue the clock whenever they need to. Yeah. Let me tell you what I notice about the Royal Rumble. It's my favorite of the gimmick matches. I love it. It's it's can't miss because it's what we love about wrestling and that you never know who's coming out next. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it. But the they do things in a Royal Rumble match that make no sense whatsoever for winning the match. Do you know what I mean? Like Rey Mysterio just put on a 619. Yeah. Why would you ever do a 619 in an over the top battle royal elimination? Yeah, I mean, why would you ever do an aerial move? Why why do anything? We're going to see some more of this, but here comes a guy that I love, JTG. See, now uh, I spoke about uh JTG. Well, I think it's uh, yeah, it's 
Who is it? Because they're flipping for it. They're yeah, flipping the, for it. The and double-sided JCC coin, yeah. <laughs> flips with the double-headed coin. That, that's a really cool, a, a kind of cool little segment. It kind of makes me feel like maybe the cartoony days of the WWE, but in a good way. Yeah, but um, I spoke uh, to the Pope. Uh, yeah, you did. Jared. You did. And um, and I, and I have not listened to that yet. I need to. Oh man, I, that was uh of twenty eighteen. That was one of my favorite interviews. Well, of course, of course. Um, but um, I spoke about um moves and everything, and he brought up um the point to where um, you know, it's okay for wrestlers to kind of adapt things in certain styles from other wrestlers. I mean, it helps the business and so on and so forth. But um, I asked him. I was like. JTG was the first person that I ever seen do the shout out, which is referred to now as the sling blade that Seth Rollins does. Well, uh, I've read JTG's book, which Mm -hmm. I highly recommend. Um, I think it's called Damn, Why Did I Write write This Book? (laughs) And he wrote about where he got the shout out. He he learned it from watching Japanese wrestling. Yeah. So, I mean, that that was kind of in line with what I was talking about, because like I've famously known the first time I seen it was from him, but um, famously overseas on New Japan is a a wrestler by the name of Tanahashi who does that move, and uh, he is the current IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Ooh! So he's been wrestling for a number of years. So well, here's someone that has uh maybe been forgotten is uh, Mr. Ted DiBiase Jr. Let's talk about him a little bit because at one point Ted was earmarked to be a, ch- a champion. And that's not hyperbole. I remember when uh, the Million Dollar Man was inducted into the Hall of Fame that they did a video package where they showed Ted and the narration said, Ted has already distinguished himself as a future champion. What are your thoughts on that, B-Rob? I don't know. I mean, anybody can say whatever they want about anybody. I mean, well, it wasn't just anybody though. That was WWE office saying future champion. And I remember the, uh, the announcers at times would say things like, Oh, this is going to be a future main event match. Ted DiBiase, you know, uh, they, they had him, they had, it seems like they had big plans for him at this point. Mm -hmm. I also, the entrance music that he uses in this match, I totally forgot about it. A priceless song. Yeah, I totally forgot about that song. Is that the one that like I come from money? <laughs> that no, that that <laughs> was I one, remember yeah. that one because I liked that theme music. It was catchy. He used that one after the breakup of Legacy. Yeah, uh, maybe a year or so after this. But Ted DiBiase, just for whatever reason, never worked out, and he seemed to just leave WWE quietly to go to a normal life. Yeah, and and, and that's not a knock. You know, some mm-hmm. people would probably who are in wrestling would probably prefer the opportunity to go on to a normal life. So, but why did Ted, who just seemed to have all the tools, the look, the pedigree, why did he not work out? I don't know. It was, um, almost like a bland personality. And we have entrant number 11, which is, uh, the former intercontinental IWGP champion, Chris Jericho. This is not a bland personality. No, not, not Chris Jericho. (laughs) All right. So Jericho, (laughs) one of my favorites of all time since, um, I've started watching wrestling in probably 98, 97. I watched a little bit before that, but that was when I got serious about it. My favorite Jericho is always going to be, WCW when he was in his Dean Malenko phase when he was going around with Ralphus that's my yeah. what's your favorite Jericho B Rob I think um the one that premiered um cutting that promo against the rock 
It's just the ponytail, you, the beard. Yeah. I like that guy. Have you read Jericho's books? Man, I've only read Jay Sandler books. I don't read other books. Well, Jericho's books, I highly recommend, especially the first two of them. Um, but the second book picks up right at that moment you're discussing where he makes his WWE debut. And Jericho writes in that book that he, this is his own admission, he says he botched his WWE debut. Oh. How Do you so? know why he says that? No, I'm I'm intrigued. <laughs> All right. Well, remember the setting, of course. He comes out there. The rocks in the ring. The countdown goes off. The crowd goes wild. Couldn't be a bigger moment. Mm -hmm. And then according to Jericho, he got out there and made facial expressions that were reminiscent of Popeye having a stroke. <laughs> That he was goofy, that he was over the top, cartoonish, and that apparently, according to, and this may be Jericho, you know, being hard on himself as many perfectionists are, but according to Jericho, Vince McMahon doesn't like a top heel that does that. That's a cartoon act. That's the kind of stuff he was doing in WCW. Mm -hmm. Vince, according to Jericho, would see that and say, why would I believe that guy could take on the rock? He's acting like a goof. <laughs> And and Jericho was really um, critical of his first months in the company where he feels like he kind of started at the top and then plummeted down the card because he didn't take the time to learn what it meant to be a WWF superstar. Hmm. Much, much like the entrant who came in next, Mr. Mike Knox, a yeah. guy that uh, I kind of forgot about being with the company. Well, I mean, what, you, you got any Mike Knox memories? Uh, I remember him just being like a vicious competitor or whatever. Um, now, if I can compare him to a current day superstar, it'd be um, Warbeer Hanson down in NXT. They um, kind of favor each other. They have a similar build and um, attire. Um and I believe at one point, I don't know if my mind playing tricks on me or I'm just comparing them that much to um, Warbeard and Hanson. Mike Knox did a court wheel as an evasion move. So Hanson does that now. So I don't know if there's any correlation between the two, but I might just be making up shit in my mind. <laughs> well, speaking of making up shit, here comes The Miz, a great performer. And I mean, 10 years later, did you ever think The Miz would be where he is today and in a good way? No, no, I did not. You got to you got to envy the Miz a little bit. I mean, he was a reality star who mm -hmm. could have been, you know, a one season memory of a guy that was on the real world years ago. Yeah. He, but he wanted more than anything, the WWE dream and that he finally got a chance. But do you remember how they brought him into WWE originally? And he's like a host or something, a SmackDown or some shit like that. He was the host of SmackDown and it was pitched to him. They said like TRL Mike, or some shit like yeah. they said. Yeah, they said, Mike, you're going to be the Ryan Seacrest of SmackDown. <laughs> and apparently Biz was just like, what the fuck, man? I don't want <laughs> Yeah, because I remember him on the, um, what, the real world or whatever show he was on. And he was yeah. talking about like he purposely got eliminated so he can go and do his WWE tryout. Oh, okay. I've not heard of that, but you know, that, that doesn't surprise me. And even if Miz didn't have the success that he's had in the business, you know that that guy has got to have some talent because how else would he land Maurice? Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, the most beautiful woman on the planet. I, I'm not knocking Mike Mizanin. I'm not saying he's a bad looking guy. Who has just been eliminated, him and John Morrison, by Triple H. 
Yeah, and then Ray does a cool little stepping stones on their asses to get back in the ring. <laughs> I didn't even catch that my first watch through of this. Um, but yeah, that you you don't I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but Mike lands Maurice, a woman who could have any man in the world. Mm-hmm. And he also lands her before she can really speak English. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like, crazy. <laughs> crazy. Like, you can't even talk to this woman. She has no business talking to you. Or I should say you have no business talking to her. And, and I mean, he. Um, I think they started dating about a – if it wasn't at this time, it was by 2010. Yeah, and then that's some – I mean – he is a charismatic talker, and that's proof evident. He has this beautiful wife and a, a lovely child now. Oh, gosh, yes. I, I like following them on Instagram. They're a, a wonderful family. I like their um, their show, Ms. and Mrs. on USA. Have you watched that? I've watched some of it. Um, See, wife- it's one of the few shows my wife and I can watch together, and, and my wife agrees. She says, you know, his she she, she knew the Miz from uh, the reality TV. Mm-hmm. And she never watched wrestling until she met me. And when she met me, it was during Miz's almost forgotten WWE title run. And I remember when he came on TV as champ, she says, oh, my gosh, his dream came true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we got tough bastard Fit Finley inside. Well, you got to love Fit. Um, Let me ask you. I I had a thought. I'm going to ask you this question. Was Fit more over in WWE? At this point, when he is an, a veteran, than he ever was in WCW in the years before, I believe so. Because like I, I really come to appreciate him now more than I did then. <laughs> I totally agree. I watched him on WCW in the nineties, and what most people remember him for is either the junkyard, junkyard brawl, brawl with with William Regal. Mm-hmm. Or that he was the television champion for the conclusion of the best of seven series between Booker T and Chris Benoit. This was shit. Well, we got a young Cody Rhodes in here. <laughs> All right, let, we got to talk about Cody, man. Because oh, yeah. here he comes, Cody Rhodes. I gotta, I gotta. You, you talk about Cody. I gotta look something up. Cody Rhodes. Uh, what he's third generation or some shit like that. Second generation. Uh, is him his he wouldn't be he'd be second generation i gave my generation shit wrong because i don't think his grandfather wrestled or whatever but is his father the legendary dusty Rhodes, and his uh oh ray mysterio just got rko'd from a springboard that was oh i love the rko rampage as j ross jim ross calls it all right so cody Rhodes and i are almost the same age he is a little bit older than me he's from marietta Georgia, georgia so he's one state over we're both southern boys and he is uh 23 years old during this match during this, yeah. he would turn 24 in june and he had been with wwe since 2007 when he debuted to team with hardcore holly yep and he would turn on hardcore to join the he's in the legacy, legacy. at this point do, do you remember um it was another legendary son within that group do you remember which one it is well there's uh there was ted jr uh-huh. and there was a oh, uh, okay i almost said maga uh, i almost said umaga it's not umaga no you're close though (laughs) i know his name's just not coming to me sima snuka sim snuka or manu was it manu something like that yeah but it was one of them (laughs) no they were both in there but they were both kicked out pretty soon Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, Cody and then Ted DiBiase, obviously, you know, we've already talked about that, but it was Cody that really went on for the success. Do you know that Cody uh, attributes a lot of his success in the business to Randy Orton? To, to Randy Orton. Yeah. yeah. He was Cody a- posted on uh, Twitter. He said, thanks to Randy Orton's help and advice. I managed to clear a million dollars before I was 24, 24 years old. Is, yep. So that was, if we do a little math here, he turns 24 this year in 2009. Did, did he really make a million dollars just less than two or three years in the business? Uh, or not, not make clear after his taxes, his road expenses, his, uh, and I mean, he was not, he was, you know, a prominent place in the card. I imagine his, uh, SummerSlam match with DX versus Legacy, which was yeah. into that probably helped him get over the hump, if I had to guess. Yeah. And then you got to think about, um, you know, WWE, I, I, my words are slurring together and letters. Uh, WWE is a global enterprise, man. So, I mean, I remember yeah. uh, one instance to where he was talking about he got paid $10,000 to do a Gillette commercial to where he didn't even have facial hair to shave, but he, they gave him <laughs> You're so green, you don't have facial hair. All right, we, we've totally talked over some legends here, but The Undertaker makes his way to the ring mm-hmm. a little bit ago, and then Gold Dust. Yeah. When we say, and I got to point something out. Do you know what our last show, the 92 War Games, and this show, the 2009 Royal Rumble, have in common? They both had Dustin Reynolds in it. <laughs> yep, they did. <laughs> What a and and he's still going today. Yeah, he is, and he's um right now squaring off against his little brother right now in the ring. <laughs> All right, I I had to ask this question: Why do you think WWE never really tried to make money in a Goldust versus Cody Rhodes program? I thought at one point it was leading to that, but um, it just kind of got put on the back burner, put on the back burner, put on. I mean, the back they burner. flirted with it a yeah. few times, a million but- times. <laughs> Why was that never a WrestleMania-worthy match, like a big program? I, I, it doesn't make any sense. It seems to write itself. I mean, it was, though. I mean, it was all there. It had all the keys and components they needed to make it happen. They had a great storyline when um Cody and Goldust got fired, and they had to um, beat the tag team champions to get their job back, and they won the tag team titles. And uh, Cody Rose, I think, cut the best promo of his WWE career at that point in time to where he spoke about um, the company hiring his father and making him look like a fool wearing polka dots and making him dance and all kind of stuff like that. And it was just fucking great. <laughs> but it was. Pull the I, and, and OK, we got to We got to talk about the guy in the ring now. Who do we got now, B-Rob? CM Punk, who comes in botching the springboard. <laughs> he did, didn't he? But, you know, he recovered and just kind of jumped down and went for a double clothesline because, hey, it, it, he didn't botch it as badly as his MMA career. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm sorry. Was, was that was that too soon? Was that too mean? No, it was not. I don't think it was so much a botch. I don't think nobody was in his jumping range to clothesline. <laughs> maybe maybe they missed their cue. That might be the case, too, because he just kind of, OK, I'm going to go down and go for a double clothesline on the ground. Uh, that's true. Boom. He hit but, the GTS on Triple H. Oh, boy. So, yeah, uh, I noticed that Triple H kind of halts CM Punk's momentum as he makes his entrance here to the Royal Rumble, which is a major metaphor for what happens in the years to come. (laughs) And eventually CM Punk will leave the WWE at the Royal Rumble five years to the date of this one. Man, He walked out the night after Royal Rumble 2014 with his last night in the company. And he just said, I'm done. I'm fed up. I'm finished. 
Um, And CM Punk was just in the news again uh, this last week, but not for a very good reason. Did did you read it? No, I did not. What was was going on? It made me very sad uh, reading that CM Punk's legal battles with his former best friend, Colt Cabana. Are continuing. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I did hear about that. I didn't know it was nothing uh, recent about it, though. Well, it, it's saying that um, according to CM Punk, who, you know, we got to go back a little bit. Uh, when he did walk out in 2014, he did a podcast in the months following with his friend Colt Cabana. You know, they, these are like, they're the immortal friendship. I mean, the best friends in the business outside of the ring at the time. Mm-hmm. And they talk about why he left or I should say walked out on WWE. They talk about how he received his FedEx release papers on his wedding day, on his wedding day. And then he punk goes on to say that he was misdiagnosed by a WWE doctor Mm -hmm. with a staph infection that almost led to serious health problems or potentially death. And punk and Colt Cabana get sued for that podcast. Defamation of character and all kind of other slanderous shit. So apparent that podcast, uh, I'm going to venture a guess and say that's the most expensive podcast in the history of podcasts. Exactly. Because because uh, CM Punk allegedly tells Colt Cabana, you know, when when the lawsuit comes in, says, don't worry, my lawyers are going to handle this. And now fast forward a few years later, Colt Cabana is having to sue CM Punk because he says that promise was not upheld and he is personally out. whereas CM Punk says I've already uh, lost $1.2 million on this issue already. Mm. I mean, I I know that Punk made excellent money, you know, probably one of the top paid wrestlers of the last decade and a half. He bought his homeboy a house. Uh, Was it uh, Joey Mercury? Yeah. So Joey Mercury. He was doing okay. But you've got to feel the loss of $1.2 million in just blown legal fees, right? I mean, anybody would. Yeah. And then his wife isn't so, say, you know, working, you know, from what we can tell. I mean, she's, she has and, a book and, out. Yeah, and I don't touring. know about his personal life. Yeah. I know that his wife, uh, you know, A.J. Lee, you know, grew up poor and has family that she probably has supported. And I'm sure now that. May, I, I don't know. May, I don't know if Punk helps out her family at all, or maybe they're secure now. But Punk also has um, been sued by his mother. Maybe not sued, but she's spoken out against him, saying that he's not supported her the way that he should. Mm-hmm. And Punk, Punk responded to say, I've already given you $100,000 when you basically abandoned me as a child. You know, yeah. Get, get, out, get out. Have you watched CM Punk's documentaries yeah, about how his family kind of was not there for him and he just went and chose a new family? Yeah, pretty much. I did see that. Yeah, that, that he kind of it, it reminds me like uh, of the sitcom in the 90s, you know, when there's like the neighbor that just keeps showing up to the ha- the family's house on the sitcom. Oh, William Regal. Number 20. Oh, gosh, we got to love William Regal. You know what I got? I got to say about William Regal is he is one of the few men in the business that went down to the depths of drug abuse, pill abuse, and emerged on the other side and seems to be remaining sober. Yeah, he was um, on track to be the world champion until his incident. Yeah. 
So. And and he uh, deserved to be world champion. I think it still should have happened for him when Daniel Bryan won the world heavyweight championship for the first time. I don't know why they didn't do a William Regal, Daniel Bryan program for the world title ending in a retirement versus title match where Bryan goes over and Regal gets to retire. Yeah. That would have been the send off that Regal deserved. Yeah. And then, um, kind of to backtrack a little bit, you, we was talking about MVP earlier or whatever. And I met him down in, uh, Dallas. <laughs> he was, uh, coming out of WrestleCon and I was there for the ROH show that they had in the same building. And he was sitting out there waiting for valet to bring his car and I seen him sitting out there. I'm looking like a, a typical wrestling fan. I have this big replica WWE championship title belt over my shoulder. And I'm just sitting there. I'm pacing back and forth because I want to go up to him and say something. And I, I, I covered this on another episode of the Random Rams with Rob. It's just like I watch these people perform or whatever. Oh, Kofi Kingston coming in. And, um, you know, I'm just in awe of their talent and, you know, what they do in the ring and just, you know, the sacrifices they make. And I kind of almost in a way equated to military service. They leave their families months and days on end. They freaking put their bodies on the line for other people's entertainment and whatnot. And, you know, I, I, I'm just like, you know, I put them up there on a higher tier, some of them anyway. So to see him right there in the flesh right there, who I just said is one of the greatest uh, U.S. champions in my mind. And um, I'm just trying to muster up the courage to just say, hey, just like straight up high, you know. Oh, you were intimidated, B-Rob? Nah, man. It's just like I didn't know how to handle my emotions and shit. I don't know what the fuck was going yeah. on with me. So, <laughs> so um, I walk up to him and I was just like, hey, can I take a picture with you? And he was like, he paused for a second and he was like, I'm going to say no. And he said, the reason why is because I just came out of WrestleCon and those people actually paid money to see me and you know take pictures or whatever. He said that would be disrespectful to them, which didn't register in my mind because I never knew what the fuck a WrestleCon was and at the time and what, you know, what goes on inside. So when he said that to me, you know, it automatically, you know, dinged in my head. And that makes sense. And he's like, but I tell you what, though, I will shake your hand. <laughs> so I shook his hand and I was like, thank you. I appreciate it. And I walked off and I tweeted about it. And then I was just like, yeah, I'm an MVP. <laughs> you know, respect, right? MVP had respect for his fans and he had respect for the business. And sometimes telling you no, you know, is, is the best answer because yeah. – yeah, I, I respect that he did that. I'm sure you did too. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of speaking of respect, let's talk about this man that just came out, Mr. Glenn Jacobs, Kane himself. What do you got to say about Kane? He's, he's one of my favorites. He's the mayor of Knox County. <laughs> he is. Um, all right. What what do Kane? I, I'm going to go a little behind the curtain here. Break some kayfabe for me and Kane. Mm -hmm. What do Kane and I have in common? You're both Southern gentlemen. <laughs> yes, but what we actually have in common is we both own Allstate insurance agencies. What? Yep, Kane is the owner of the Glenn Jacobs agency in his home state of Tennessee. Um, I don't think he has a lot to do with it other than just buying it and putting his name on it. Mm -hmm. 
But to do that, Kane would have had to have tested for his uh, property and casualty insurance license in the state of Tennessee, Mm -hmm. a life and health license in the state of Tennessee, a FINRA license for securities, a six and 63 license. Those are two different tests. You have to pass both of them within 18 months of opening your agency or they will fire you. And yeah, Glenn Jacobs, just to put his name on the business, it's not something I can put my name on it, walk away and, you know, collect the checks. William Regal is out. William Regal's out. So Kane is a highly intelligent man. Mm-hmm. Kane is um, a businessman, a politician, and a very long-lived um, actor in the business. I mean, what? How many characters did has Glenn Jacobs played? Oh, we got a younger R Truth coming in at twenty-four. <laughs> oh, Mister R Truth, R Truth. But yeah, he's, he's also been long-lived in the business. But let, let's talk about Kane's characters because so, he's got some good ones. Yeah, so he's been um. A dentist by the name. I of, knew you'd go for the dentist. Yeah, everybody does. <laughs> I, Isaac Yankum. Well, take it back a step further, though. Take it back a step further. Kane before that was the Christmas creature. What? Do you remember the Christmas creature? No, I do not. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. Go- just Google Christmas creature, the, the fucking Christmas creature. Hold on. I'm about to do that right now. I got my phone over here. <laughs> this was not even in... Um, this was in the United States Wrestling Association, USWA, a company so obscure that I'm, I don't think it's even known for anything other than having Glenn Jacobs play the Christmas creature. <laughs> and it was it looks like he's um, it looks like he's wrestling on an episode of NWA TV in the 80s. Oh, shit. His picture is the first thing that comes. Oh, no. What is this? <laughs> What is the Christmas creature? No one really knew what the Christmas creature was. It looks like a... It looked like a, a man just wrapped in Christmas presents. <laughs> it, it looks like they took a box of decorations from Target and kind of threw up on him. I think he was supposed to look like Swamp Thing and Christmas lights and tinsel, but that was what they came up with. <laughs> somebody, has, so, yeah. somebody has made a custom action figure of this person. <laughs> of course they did. I, I love action figures and I love custom action figures. And I love the Rob coming to the ring. Rob Van, Van Dam. Dam. The whole effing show. They got a um, character in a New Japan Pro Wrestling called goes by the name of Toriyano. And um, a part of his shtick is um, he does like the RVD-esque taunt, you know, like the, you know, he points to himself, okay. RV, or uh, Rob Van Dam. He right. does a similar thing there in New Japan. And um, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were saying that him and Rob Van Dam has had a match together. So I'm interested in going into New Japan world and look that up. <laughs> well, what's what's old Rob Van Dam doing these days? Probably smoking the cheaper. Which well, I, I hope so. Which I That's have what nothing he, uh, against. <laughs> no, I, and I've read somewhere that um, somebody said all Rob Van Dam has ever wanted to do is smoke weed and wrestle. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, sure. I, and, and I'm a strong believer in personal freedoms. I'm like, if he's not hurting anyone, why shouldn't he be free to do that? Mm-hmm. And then um, also there's a newer guy signed to the NXT roster. goes by the name of Matt Riddle, if you're familiar. Um, yes, I've, lot, I've heard of Matt. Yeah, a lot of people compare him to Rob Van Dam. It's just in personality and um, athleticism and whatnot. Oh, well, he is Also, quite... he smoked a lot of weed. <laughs> He is quite um, well known. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, 
Oh, we got a double rolling thunder here by Rob and oh, <laughs> Triple H just kind of fell like in a 69 with our truth to make that happen. <laughs> then we got the Brian Kendrick at 26 uh, valeted by Ezekiel Jackson, which would be the last WWE ECW champion. <laughs> The last ECW champion. Wait, who now? I thought that was uh, Ezekiel Jackson, right? Yeah, that's what I just said. <laughs> so, well, who remembers that? And, you know, he was. I how long did. was he ECW champion? A few minutes. Yeah, because he like won the, the title the on the last episode, episode of ECW WWE's version, and it, Christian was the one he won it off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I'm looking. Around the ring, Fit Finley is still in there. Um, one of my biggest regrets is not like I had anything to do with it or whatever, but um, I never got to see Sheamus versus Fit Finley. Oh well, that's a good one. Um, here, hey, I've got some fantasy booking for you. Mm-hmm. All right, let's say that Fit Finley comes to the ring on an episode of Raw today, and he has got a suit on, and he's carrying his shillelagh, Mm -hmm. and he says, I'm Finley, and I love to fight, Mm -hmm. and he's there to pass the shillelagh, kind of pass the torch to the man, Becky Lynch. That'd be pretty cool. Yep, and Becky would come to the ring and take it, and then beat the crap out of Finn with it, (laughs) and say, beat the crap out of Fit with it, and say, I don't need your validation, I'm the man, but I'll take your big stick, thank you, (laughs) and walk away, maybe not in those words, but, uh. Oh, we got a young Dolph Ziggler in here. And uh, speaking of the Christmas creature, you know, he's messing with the Christmas creature and he's got Christmas tinsel on his tights. I, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> What's up with that? Why, Dolph Ziggler, I know he's very young in his gimmick, um, but he's coming to the ring wearing these black biker short tights. They and look like garbage out. bags. And he's like stapled some silver Christmas tinsel to him like you'd find at the Dollar Tree. See, it's all coming full circle. We just talked about it and it just comes up. (laughs) What's the deal with that? Did he think those tights looked good? Did he's like, hey, man, these tights are good, but they need some cheap Christmas tinsel on them. Then I will really be over. I know, man. It's it's just the thing of um, trying to set yourself apart because like how many people have worn those types of shorts? So how am I make my shorts? Different. I'm put some I'd say every bitches. jobber on WCW Saturday night dressed a little bit like that. Um, but Dolph Ziggler is one of my favorites in the business. And I know that uh, he is an unqualified success in the business. Some may disagree with that, but I say it because he's gotten paid mm-hmm. and he has stayed employed. What's the average WWE career, do you think, Rob? Um, The length of it, I should say. I would say about eight to ten, maybe. Eight to ten years? No, no. Like two to three years on oh, average. Oh, you're talking about like just like uh, average average. On on the law of averages. Think yeah. of all the wrestlers yeah, they've ever two hired. To th- two to three. The, yeah, two to three years at best. Oh, here's Santino, and he's already out. <laughs> he breaks the Warlord's record, which was a part of the video package before this show began, or I should say before this match began. The Warlord had a record of a three-second elimination by Hulk Hogan, and then Santino gets to break that with a one-second elimination by Kane. Kane also held the record for most eliminations in a single Royal Rumble match until that was broken by Roman, Roman Reigns. Dan, 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 bam, bam. <laughs> well, I had a homeboy who would be like, denim, 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 
jeans, jeans, denim. <laughs> I don't know why that shit would oh, make me gosh. chuckle. Denim, denim. And now Jericho uh, here in the corner with uh, on the Undertaker. Um, you know Jericho uh, would take the title off the Undertaker in the elimination match one year later, and that was kind of the catalyst for um, Shawn Michaels' retirement match with Taker at next year's WrestleMania. But this year's WrestleMania, WrestleMania 25, was the first match between Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, which set off what would become Michaels retirement match, which some, including myself, might call the best storyline they ever did. Yeah. Between Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Yes. Yes. Um, that was my up until this day, it's been my favorite series of WrestleMania matches. That was a WrestleMania it was a string of them too. It was a WrestleMania 23, 24 and 25, I believe. Mhm. Yeah, so it was um 23 with Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair, that retirement match. I loved that match to death. And then 24 Taker and uh Michaels won and then the following with Taker and Michaels too. That whole those three that three succession of matches is my three favorite WrestleManias. Not for the overall card, but just those three matches. <laughs> there you go. It's great. And old Hacksaw comes into this one. And Hacksaw, of course, the original Royal Rumble winner. Yeah, he, he won the very first one. He did. And unfortunately, he that was when it didn't matter. Yeah, because I was about to ask that was you the that. <laughs> that was the one where the winner didn't really get anything. You didn't get a title shot or, a, you know, main event spot at Mania. You just kind of won. Yeah, that's what I meant to ask you, whatever, because you brought that fact up in the beginning of um the recording and whatnot was this one of the first ones to do that or did they start making it a reoccurring thing that the winner would freaking get to pick who you faced at wrestlemania yeah well the one that you had to so at this point you know wwe was split up into three brands and you had to pick which title you wanted to go after but i don't recall and i'm not saying this is the fact i don't recall anyone ever picking a title that wasn't already on their brand Mm mm-hmm uh, maybe, maybe, but uh, I don't know. I can't recall. It always seemed to fit the storyline was what I was saying. And I don't mean to be, I, I, I mean, well, no, let's just, let's just say it for what it is. Who, what Royal Rumble winner would ever pick the ECW, ECW championship? championship. <laughs> you, like, I just won the Royal Rumble. I can do anything I want to do. I want that ECW title. Yeah. Said no one ever. Yeah, it, it would be that way only if it was written that way. <laughs> yeah, it would have to be written that way. But it just seems like such a waste. Like, you know, it does anyone and does anyone ever really think that it's possible that, you, uh, you know, it's just the way that they booked it, like the way that it was presented. It was the it was ECW was the watered down Smackdown. There was nothing ECW about it. Yeah. Except the name. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm just saying what everybody already knows. Yeah, then they had like they tried to use some of the original players, which really didn't pan out as much. And then we have the last and final entrant, which is the Big Show, to where he got into a stare down with the Undertaker, and Kane just molly whopped his ass. He was like, "Get off my brother, motherfucker!" <laughs> and Hacksaw goes all out trying to hoist him over that top rope by himself. You know, say what you will about Jim Duggan, but hey, he always he was fearless, and then he gets eliminated. Oh, man. Uh, he was. You know, I heard a story about Jim Duggan from back in the day. Uh, Tony Schiavone talked about it on, on their podcast, um, What Happened When, one of my favorite podcasts. Mm-hmm. 
that Jim Duggan, or maybe this was Bruce Pritchard on something to wrestle with. I can't keep track. Jim Duggan apparently did not travel with a two by four. He would show up at an arena <laughs> and walk around until he found one. What? <laughs> that, that's that's what the rumor says. The stories say you can believe it if you want. But apparently he was always just able to find a two by four lying around somewhere. Um, yeah, and that was interesting, too, because like when I was uh, in Missouri before I moved down here to freaking uh, Texas, he was um, there in the area doing like um, some of the little comic conventions and whatnot. And as a part of his merch table, he had like many little two by fours that he would sign and hand out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just like take a normal length two by four and you would just cut them up into small little blocks and he would sign them all. Yeah, of course it will. And I remember that WCW used to sell the foam two by yeah, fours. Yeah, yeah. I, I did want one of those. <laughs> oh, gosh. WCW had such terrible merchandise before the NWO. I know there were some things that, um, what did they used to have? They, they would sell the, um, there were the Sting foam scorpion that they had, that you could wear over your hands. There was the, uh, there's just some terrible, terrible merch. What's, what's the worst wrestling merch that you can recall? Um, of, of all time. Damn. I mean, that's hard. <laughs> the worst re- piece of wrestling merchandise just off the top of my head was the T-shirt for the short-lived Wade Barrett faction, The Core. Oh, it had the two R's and everything. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember, that was a, the ugliest T-shirt I've ever seen. I'm like, who in the world? And, and, and how many people bought a Core T-shirt? Mm. If you bought a Core T-shirt, take a long, hard look at your life mm. and ask yourself, could I be doing better? <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just joking. I'm just but yeah. uh, well, a little bit. But yeah, that that's one of the worst uh, pieces of merchandise I can recall. Yeah. CM Punk did that weird. I'm going to jump off the top rope thing, but then I'm going to come down, then run at you. You know what I loved? I loved all of CM Punk's t-shirts that he yeah, released while he was yeah. wrestling. Some very cool ones. There were two that I wanted very bad, but I could never get my hands on. It was the first one, the when he came okay. back with the best in the world, the white one. I wanted that one. And then he had like a bright ass yellow GTS shirt. I wanted both of those so bad, but I never got my hands on them. Well, I liked the ice cream bar shirt. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was a good one. I need to find that one. And I also liked the the fist holding a oh, Finley's like, out. Well, yeah, Finlay. Hey, Finlay lasted a long time. Um, he must have taken his blue chew. <laughs> you got some big monsters still in the ring. There, you got Big Show, Kane, and the Undertaker. Some of the biggest guys they had in uh, the history of the business. You've got Triple H still in the ring, and you have got all of Legacy still in the ring together. They've kind of stayed on the outskirts of this match and survived. But, you know, you've got Orton, Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase and you've got Rob Van Dam. So let's talk about now that we're kind of getting it narrowed down here. Big names left in the ring. Who what, which one of them stands out to you as having just gone on to do such great things I in would, the last decade? I would say uh, Jericho with that. Oh, yeah, Jericho's still down there in the in the corner. Didn't even notice him. <laughs> yeah. But um. Undertaker who would fake retire like three or four times. I wish he would just go the fuck home and stay the fuck home. Um, Big Show. Eh, Rob Van Dam. Eh, uh, Triple H. He's doing big things behind the scenes, which I appreciate very much. Uh, Who else we got in there? Kane. He's a mayor. 
that's that's an achievement in itself because that's something he wanted to do. So I had to applaud him for that. Uh, who else? Undertaker. Yeah, I already said that. Go the fuck home. Uh, Rob Van Dam smoking copious amounts of weed. That's cool. I like that a lot. Um, Cody Rhodes, uh, executive uh, vice president of a wrestling corporation. AEW. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you got to say about AEW? I just want to see what it's going to be. I'm just excited. I'm going to make a prediction. Go ahead. Let me hear it. Call, call me Miss Cleo. <laughs> call me now. Miss Cleo. Call, call me now. You know, Miss Cleo really should have seen uh, bankruptcy coming. I'm just saying. And death. She died not too long ago. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, well, let's go have a let's have a seance and call her up. See how she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> all right. No, no. All right. So my prediction for AEW is that it is the next watershed moment in the business. You know what I mean by that? Now, explain. It's It means uh, a watershed moment is a point in history where things change and they're never the same again. Oh. And you can point to that moment as when it changed. Yeah. AEW, in my prediction, will be the first legitimate competition for WWE since the demise of WCW. Mm-hmm. And it will be nothing but positive for the business. It mm-hmm. will reignite competition, mm-hmm. reignite creativity, mm-hmm. and make all the brands, WWE and AEW, better and more profitable. That is my prediction. Yeah, and I, I'm in agreement with all that. I like all that. But, like, we still don't have a lot of facts. And then, you know, there might be more facts than I am aware of at this point in time because I don't do a lot of reading, per se, or whatever. I just kind of, like, take the information as I get it. But um, they're already talking about actual health care for the performers. And they always... I want, you know, I that's something that I, I think is almost... Um, a red herring for people who want to attack the wrestling business about there. Oh, there's no health care. It's like, well, they're, they're independent contractors. Yeah. There's no health care for any independent contractor. It's not as if wrestlers are being singled out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm an independent contractor for, I, I own, um, you know, two different businesses. And if I want health care, I got to go buy it myself. Buy it, that's, yeah. that's what you know when you get into being an independent contractor. Yeah. And it's not that, you don't have access to healthcare. It just means it's an out of pocket expense. Yeah. And whether that's good or bad, you've just got to weigh what's best for you when you choose to, you know, be a 1099 self-employed entrepreneur. You got to pay the cost to be the boss. And um, if, just not to get off topic, but if you go back a couple seconds in this rumble to where they were all just in the corner attacking the undertaking and everything, there are two fans down in the front row, bottom left of the screen to where they doing the, the iron claw to each other. <laughs> the iron claw, yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, this whole AEW thing, I'm excited for it. But like I really want to know what is the intent of the owners. You know, we know they got Buku money, like in the billions, and not just a billion like Vince McMahon and them and shit. So I wanna know how all in, pun intended, they really are with this venture, you know. Because, I mean, that's that's the bottom line. I mean, how much money is being backed into this thing, you know, because, I mean, they can say I, I, all this. It, other it stuff. seems to be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I just had to make a really uneducated guess, yeah. a lot would be the answer. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive to run any kind of, you know, national 
entertainment business, wrestling or not, you're going to pour in a lot of money and it may be a long time before you see a return on that. So you've, it's kind of like, you know, the choice to be a wrestler, the choice to be a promoter means you've got to know going in, Mm -hmm. what's it going to take. But I think there are some very smart people behind this business Mm -hmm. who know exactly what it takes that would include uh the young bucks and cody rhodes and his who wife. are guys yeah and his wife they have all been managing their own brands for over a decade independent of the big machines the wwe machine mm-hmm. um uh, you know the young bucks are are kind of notorious for not having worked in the wwe had a brief stint with tna mm-hmm. But just getting over on their own. Yeah. Well, um, they did as an, have, as an act. They did have, um, I believe, a SmackDown match. There's a tape on that, I think, on the network for Matt Jackson, at least. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but the Young Bucks and what were they in TNA? They were called Generation, Generation Me. Me. Yeah. And you know, they, you know whose idea that was? No. Vince fucking Russo. Oh, okay. <laughs> apparently, and this is according to the Young Bucks, just freestyling here. Apparently, they said, we came to TNA, and our gimmick was planned by Vince Russo in a single email that said, we're going to call them Generation Me. They should wear clothes like the Hardys, but different. Peace, Vince. And that was the thought behind the Young Bucks and TNA from what I've from what the Young Bucks have to and say. But, I mean, t- to even think about it, how shitty that sound or whatever. But I mean, they took that and ran with it. I mean, they're, they're not dressing any different from that instance of when they made their debut. Well, of TNA. course, they took it and ran with it because they are guys who know who they are. They have a great mind for the business and not just the business, but for branding. Mm-hmm. They didn't just make themselves wrestlers. They built a brand. Mm-hmm. They did it on their own. One of them on uh, on Twitter, I don't know if it was Matt or, or the other one, but they, they described he described himself. Um, he said, I started out to be a wrestler, never knew I would become a professional T-shirt salesman. Yeah. And now we got um <laughs> we're down to the final four. So. All right, well, yes, we are down to the final four and Triple H is being taunted and you know kind of going through a passion of the Christ moment here with Randy or- Orton playing the role of the the Roman legionnaire. Yeah, so his um legacy You like that you like that imagery there? Yes. <laughs> so his legacy which consists of Randy Orton, uh freaking Ted DiBiase Jr. and Cody Rhodes and, and the final combatant is Triple H. So they, yep, yep, they, yep. they jump Triple in them. H. Triple H trying to mount the comeback, but they still All right. What's your favorite Triple H moment, B Rob? Um in the business. The one on screen, in ring, whatever. The one where you kind of faded into obscurity and started working behind the scenes. All right. <laughs> mine was mine was definitely his two thousand two return yeah, after his gonna, quad injury. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I was gonna say that. But I mean I think that's like on everybody's list. Don't 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 copy me, B Rob. Okay. I'll, why you why you copying me? Okay. Well I like when he t- <laughs> I like when he took the invisible shirt off. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. What about when he pissed his pants in the fight with Brock Lesnar? Yep. <laughs> oh, and Randy Orton, I, I I don't know if we're on the same Randy just wins. Yeah, he just Randy won. wins. Yeah. So Randy Orton wins this Royal Rumble, his first Royal Rumble win, and he goes on to WrestleMania. And what was the match? Wasn't it against Triple H? I'm not sure. 
that was WrestleMania 25. Yeah. Let me let's pull up that card real quick. Yeah, because I'm I'm remembering this well, but I'm trying to think how they got to the points from here to there. So WrestleMania 25, this this event, Royal Rumble, was January 25th, 2009. WrestleMania is April the 5th. 2009 mm-hmm. and the main event matches it we had triple houston. h it was in houston texas where i am currently residing which i wish uh-huh. bring, i wish they bring another wrestlemania back to houston so i can attend it <laughs> all right so triple h would get his hands on the title for that he would he would get the wwe championship between this royal rumble and this year's wrestlemania and Randy Orton would challenge him for that title in a singles match. And had Triple H been counted out or disqualified, he would have lost the title. Unfortunately for their wrestling uh, WrestleMania main event, it was universally agreed that the Undertaker Shawn Michaels singles match. Oh yeah. Uh, which was two matches before them on the card. There were nine matches at WrestleMania 25. Triple H and Orton got to go on last. And then John Cena defeated Big Show and Edge in the match before that. So the Undertaker-Shawn Michaels match, which a lot of people remember is ending WrestleMania 25, it, it went on for 30 minutes and 44 seconds. And Randy described that match as Taker and Michaels kicking out of each other's finishers for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> So they're like, how are, how is anybody going to follow that? And then, you know, we have, what then we have the awkward point with Randy Orton and the pyro not point going to the sign. <laughs> B Rob, let's let's predict how this year's Royal Rumble match will end. I predict it ends with somebody pointing at a sign. What do you think? I believe it, but the 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 thing is, who will be the ones pointing at the sign because they had the women's and the men's Royal Rumble? All right, what? Who do you think? Oh, there it is. Now the pyro's going off. <laughs> he had to go stand on the turnbuckle for it to work. Yeah. Well, that's the end of that match. And uh, I am going to predict the winner of the female Royal Rumble to be a an underdog, somebody like uh, Becky, or I'm sorry, not Becky, uh, Bailey to win. Mm-hmm. Um, or does Becky Lynch win and main event WrestleMania? For the first time, a, a you know female main eventer at WrestleMania. I mean, that, what are the what are the odds this year? I don't know, man. Um, when I was doing the um, pipe bomb with McCool and company, I made the prediction, and this was probably what two years ago, maybe. That from that time when I said it, we would be, I think we was five to ten years out of having females main eventing a WrestleMania, and here we are, what two years later. And I, I retract that, that statement not too long ago to where I said one to five. So I'm still within my window. <laughs> so um, I believe if they're going to actually do a female main event for a WrestleMania this year will be prime for that. And um, depending on where chips may fall with uh, AEW and just the um, state of the talent within the company, you know, it's going to be, yeah. I believe yeah. it's going to be harder for them to do it 
any other year outside of this one. This one would be probably about the perfect one to do it. Well, B-Rob, I have enjoyed talking with you. I've got to hit the road. I am driving uh, to meet my grandparents to have lunch for my son's fifth birthday that we've been celebrating the past week. Happy birthday, little Sandlin. Yeah, he, oh man, his presents this year for Christmas and birthday are off the hook because I love him. Uh, He got the Nintendo Switch with some uh, games that I want to play even you, more than he wants to play them. <laughs> man, see, we, uh, you must have been listening to my podcast because <laughs> damn, I just got my youngest kid a freaking Nintendo Switch. And I'm, oh, I didn't know that. No, I didn't hear that part. Yeah, so That's it, awesome. It, it's the exact same thing, though, for Christmas. You know, we went to my brother's house, got a Nintendo. He got a Nintendo Switch. She played it. She loved it. So I was like, hey, I'm going to get her a Nintendo Switch and get the Nintendo Switch. She opened the motherfucker up. I set it up, make the account, get her some games. And she don't play no motherfucking games. All she do is sit on that motherfucker and play YouTube videos. And I'm yep, just yeah, yeah, my like, son is the same. Um, the 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 game that he is addicted to, though, he does not want to play any other uh, any other games that we that he got for Christmas right now. He only wants to play Lego City Undercover Police. He, I think, if I let him, he would sit and play that from wake up time to bedtime and just maybe have some breaks for food here and there. But all right, I definitely got to head out and wish you a great day. Let's do this again soon. What kind of match should we watch next? Hmm, I don't know. Let's let's do it a who would win style or Jay Sandlin style. I'm going to put it out there into the world and see what um everybody else says. <laughs> All right. Well, let us know what you would like to hear. Uh, Jay and B Rob. What can we call it? We need. We're, we're a tag team. We need a name for ourselves. We need to brand ourselves like okay. the Young Bucks. Okay. Um, hmm. Hmm. The Random Writers. Okay. The, <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we're going to think <laughs> okay. on that. We'll, we'll think on that. We'll, find we'll put me that to on a uh, social media, Twitter and Facebook at Jay Sandlin Writer. Every Monday, we are dropping new episodes of Who Would Win. And every Tuesday, I am playing What Happens Next on my Twitter account. So find my pinned tweet to join in the story prompts. And 2019 is going to be a great year. I've got some stuff coming out, graphic novels, short stories, maybe more. Let's uh, have fun together with all of it. Yeah. And um, once again, I appreciate you. You have been officially dubbed the the Wit Talk historian. I appreciate you for giving me your time. Um, I need you to go ahead and be safe out there on the road. Eat you some birthday cake and um, enjoy your time with your family. All right, B-Rob. You have a good one. We're going to do it again soon. All right. So on behalf of myself and the man, Jay Sandlin, we bid you a fond adieu. Goodbye.